0: Meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. That was very exciting, Eaming. Before we get down to business, I have to say it's all very new, just so our listeners at home know we've got a new software that's got a countdown. It's very dramatic. And then you hear the music instead of editing the music. And I, you know, I also, as our listeners should know, this is my first show in a while. I've been away. I'm sure, people missed me. Guess who's I'm, back? I'm, I'm glad back to be again. back. I Russell's missed everyone else. Uh, a friend. Nice,
1: Guess. thank you.
0: See, we can use the audio. Too, we week. can use the audio for Eminem, just like pop. No, that we're Eminem. not. We're not getting sued. I'm not getting sued. You'll I, don't, get sued. I don't think Eminem's gonna sue us. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe whoever owns those tracks. Yeah. Um, okay, I cannot think of a, a more exciting uh, return to the show for me. Then a conversation uh, about a new film, which, first of all, for the past year and a half, we haven't really had, quote unquote, new films. We've had, you know, you stream stuff at home. They're kind of, you know, as Mulan came out, you know, but this really feels like the first time there's a movie that's out that you can see it in the theaters and it'll make a difference. You can also watch it at home if you want. The movie I'm talking about is In the Heights, which is the musical film that was recently released. This was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Of course, we all know him from Hamilton. But before there was Hamilton... There was In the Heights, uh, which was a Broadway hit, and they talked about making a film version for years. They finally made it. It was on hold because of COVID. Now it's out. So much to discuss. This, this film gives you an opportunity to talk about race, to talk about class, to talk about place, uh, and also to talk about um, did Lin-Manuel rip himself off? Uh, all, taking all the songs from In the Heights and basically just changing the words for Hamilton. But that's a different conversation <laughs> that I'm going to have to check in with Geek Force about because, as you know, I was a guest on Geek Force and we discussed Hamilton and, you know, I, I was never invited back. But the real, the real reason I'm excited is because this uh, film gives us an excuse and an opportunity to welcome an old friend of the show and an old friend of ours, Albert Felipe. Albert, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here
1: here. Oh, no, thanks for having me again. You guys are fucking awesome. So
0: love it. Thank you. Thank you. That's always nice to hear. Uh, so there's a very specific reason that I think you're the best person to talk to about this show and about this film. Um, because Washington Heights, where the film is set and where the musical is set, is your neighborhood. That's where you grew up. That's your community. That's where you're from. It's a place that you love. It's a place that you represent. It's also a place that you've studied historically. So you have all kinds of background. Uh, So I expect that we can have a a very textured, intricate conversation about this film uh, that goes further than just the music, just the acting, just the plot, just the storyline. So let me start off. First, I'll say this. Um, I saw In the Heights uh, on Broadway when it was out. I was uh, lucky enough to get tickets and go see it. And my memory of that show was that I loved it. I, I was really blown away. And the reason I was blown away is because I thought, wow, I always thought it would be really corny if somebody tried to do a musical that incorporated hip hop or lyricism in some way. And when I watched that, I thought, how did he do it? How did, how did they make a musical that incorporated hip hop that didn't feel corny? It was very empowering, very emotional. I had a wonderful experience with it. Um, so I had some background going into this film. Uh, so let me ask you how much you knew about, uh, the Broadway show. How much you knew about the film? Did you see the show, uh, before?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, I, I mean, like you, I think, um, One of the things that I already had known before the film came out was that the Heights came out. And I watched the play three times, twice in New York, once in San Francisco. So, you know, I was like, wow,
0: not once, but thrice. Yeah, I mean,
1: because, you know, and and I think, um, you know, as I kind of like mentioned to you guys, uh, I'm just the person who just, you know, of course, where you come from and where you're born and where you're raised. You see it on a screen, you see it in a play, you hear it anywhere, you know, it's kind of like a fucking back signal, signal, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, of course I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to go check out what they have to say, what is it about, what is all this, right? And the simple fact that, you know, it was written by this kid who lived in the Heights, almost had kind of like that, man, let's let's see what kind of story this guy's going to say, Right. And that, on top of that, it was a musical yeah. that, you know, we were just like, okay, you know, let's see what this is about. But let me tell you something. Yeah. I mean, that the first time I saw it, fell in love with it, the elements of hip hop, and I can go ahead and I can just like, just really pinpoint where some of these lyrics were pulled from, what songs I identified with, you know, the whole Latino Caribbean, just the whole idea of pride and culture all around. I mean, it sold me. It sold me from the beginning to end, right? Um and mind you, when the teaser came out for the movie, remember we are in the middle of COVID when this comes out. And I remember I was there with my wife, and 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 you know the, the first trailer hits, and it was almost like I lost my breath. There was a tear in my eye because I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Right. So that's it. Like <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> it's happening, right? It's like holy fucking shit. And you know, I think like at the end of the day, um, yeah. I, I I and you know. Yes, I had the opportunity to watch it at home. But what did I do? I actually took advantage of one of the theater's opportunities where you can rent a fucking auditorium for a theater. And I just invited my friends from Washington Heights who live in the Bay Area and my wife's wow. like, little cousins and everything to go watch it. And that's what we did, because at the end of the day, it was not a big event for me because it was my home. Yeah, that's really what it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm impressed renting out the theater. That's that's next level,
1: dude. That, I mean, but, I, uh, but, but I, if anything merits it, it merits like you know, you know where you're from, right? Course. Like I think, like shit, it's an investment. It's like it's my neighborhood. I know that what, whatever the fucking production costs were in this movie, I'm fucking gonna go ahead and I'm gonna show by contributing to it by buying my fucking ticket. <laughs> you know yeah. What I'm saying?
0: And, yeah, and that's and
1: that's where well, it I, it a, it a, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a good point. I like that you use the phrase bat signal that like, depending on where you're from, if that place is being depicted, you have to go see about it. Right. So as you know, I'm from San Francisco No, I live in New York. Um, you there, Albert? Okay, I'm here. Um, and anytime time a movie comes out that's like, oh, this is the San Francisco movie. And I, maybe maybe San Francisco people are more we're always like, oh, you're not going to get it right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, you watch the trailer. You're like, oh, they chose the wrong song or, you know, and very recently, I, mean, I guess recently to me, a couple of years ago, um, that film, The Last Black Man in San Francisco came out. And everybody I knew from San Francisco was like, oh, we have to, you know, we got to make sure they got it right. I was blown away. I, I really was very touched. I felt like it captured the city and experiences of people who were from the city in a way that I'd never seen before, even the cinematography and the music. So I'm trying to put myself in your position uh, because this was filmed largely on location. I mean, I, I recognize places. I, I lived in the Heights you know, briefly, I'm not from there, but I recognized, uh, locations. So my, my first set of questions has to be to the person who's from Washington Heights, the level of accuracy, were you looking out for things where it's like, Oh, that street corner is, you know, the wrong place around from here, or this person's accent sounds fake or not that, not to knock it, but I'm curious, what did you think of the, uh, authenticity? Did they just completely nail it as a production Mm -hmm. or did you find little things that you might've changed?
1: Well, I wouldn't be a good uh, New Yorker slash Washington Heights res- resident if it, I I didn't knock it. And part of the reason why, you know, I think, like, I took my friends that we grew up together in Washington Heights and now in the Bay Area. So that way, when we're on, when we're in the theater, we're fucking yelling at the screen saying, hey, that pump wasn't fucking there. Hey, what's going on with this? You know, I, I, like, you could see those small little instances, of course. And, you know, as I, as I told you, I think, like... um one of the things that really drew on me was that it was filmed a block away from where I grew up. And in the screen, most of the time, you can see, you know, the school I went to for nine years of my whole life, right? Where I played on those same exact streets and everything. And of course, everything was, I was looking for all the little small details. I was looking for it. So I think like, you know, that's the other part. The other part is just like, um, you know, The main character for me was my neighborhood. Like, I know that I didn't really start listening to any of the, like, the dialogue or really listening to the music as I already had. But, like, you know what? Every single screenshot was just like, oh, my God, you know, this is the street where me and my friends used to play on when we would have recess. And, you know, one of my best friends just lived right across the street where they filmed that scene. You know, so it was just all of that. Like, you know, Rosario's is not there. What the fuck is that? It's a hookah lounge now. You you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we really hit on those instances that, of course, you're going to go ahead and pick it apart. Um, And and we did. We picked it apart. You know what I'm saying? Like inside the bodega, which there is a bodega on that corner. But of course, you know, I was going to ask
0: you about this. I was going to ask you the bodega question. Yeah. Because I was looking, I was like, is there too much? Bu- Did they put too much Bustelo behind the register? Like just to like make everybody realize like, oh, there's Bustelo on the shelf. Do You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but that's exactly <laughs> but what and I But I was thought. looking at like, oh, what, what actually? Yeah.
1: yeah, that's exactly what we were saying. No, we go ahead. Go like ahead. This. Yeah. Well, you know, we were just actually saying that in the theater. We were just like, oh, the Bustelo is not really supposed to be there. This is what's really supposed to be there. You know what I'm saying? Where where it's like the phone cards to call internationally. Why are the bulletproof, the bulletproof yeah, glass those are not behind. around yep. where the candies, you know, we're, we're talking about also like, um, you know, in <laughs> that, in that specific bodega where they filmed, right? where in that corner, right? Because, uh, you know, I don't even know if that's the actual inside of it, but in that bodega, um, so I used to buy the best chicharong in there, you know what I'm saying? And it would be under this little heat lamp, right? And, you know, he'd have like pastelitos and all that shit. And then here's the other part. As I got older liquor stores in New York, you know, close at 12 o'clock, so to get hard liquor, right, after 12 o'clock was going to be hard. That store right there, you just had to see El Primo, who was usually with the bodeguero there, because they were close late, and he would go ahead and he would sell us like hard liquor, pretty much knowing that he was just uh, jeopardizing everything. But, you know, again, these are stories that I knew, and I grew up, but seeing them on the screen, of course it brought up all those memories, but again, I mean, it was just really nice to just see it there
0: you know what I'm saying yeah yeah it it really felt like they took a lot of time and care and attention to get those yeah. kinds of things right and yeah, I absolutely. knew that people who were from there and people like you would be able to scrutinize and maybe find little tiny things oh, yeah. but for the rest of us it really felt like a, a purely authentic representation of that yeah. place at least you know physically yeah no um, I, I'll tell I, you you know me personally I looked at that bodega and I thought this bodega is very, very well lit, first of all. yeah, It's <laughs> like the brightest, <laughs> clearest bodega I've ever seen. It was also so clean. I mean, sparkling clean. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and no cat. Where, where was the, the bodega see, cat? That it could my, have been a character. Was
1: that was my point. I was just like, you know what? I didn't see the bodega cat. I didn't see my teacher on this. I didn't see the milk crates. I didn't see the things that I know that really represented. But again, as I said, I think it's Hollywood, right? They're going to go ahead. They're going to tailor to, to certain specific like um thing, but but you know what, one hundred percent giving him kudos for trying to keep the the neighborhood authentic. You know what I'm saying? Like again, I think like they did a really good job of that. I mean, the scene um where they filmed in uh, Highbridge Pool, which you know a lot of people don't know, but Highbridge has an Olympic size pool, right? And and let me tell you something, you know when I looked at it, I was like, damn, they really hardly really touched this thing, you know what I'm saying like, you know, you could tell like you know, there was some added like, you know, CGI elements to it, but but not on the aesthetics, it was just like everything was there, and and, and I remember running around in this this pool, and you know, and and it's really nice because I was like, yeah, they really did a really good job of trying not to like, touch it too much aesthetically, you know
0: Yeah Yeah I am curious, um, since you've seen the show three times, I've only seen it once, I still picked up on uh, some differences, right? Some changes. Some of them, I guess they made just because it makes more sense for storytelling. You know, like um, there's this framing device where Usnavi start, starts out the show by talking to these little group of kids and he's basically narrating it. That wasn't in the original show, but that's fine as a, as a framing device. I don't think that was too consequential. And man, um, they killed both But Wolf there Nina's were other mom, elements or other... Yes, exactly. Nina's mom was a character. And I think one of one of the most curious <laughs> things is that, you know, the relationship between Nina um, and uh, God, now I'm now I'm blanking on his name. Who's the guy that uh, that Nina was Danny? going out with her, her romantic Yeah, Benny, because in the in the stage production, there was like um, that was a very loaded relationship. Right. Like they were early in their courtship and dad did not like it at all. He didn't like them being together. And there was also this like subtext that he was beneath her and that had there was like a racial element there because I think his character in the show was a black American. Uh, and they were Puerto Rican. And so it just introduced a lot of complexity and kind of had this Romeo and Juliet, um, aspect a little bit. And, and Nina's mom was important because she was the one who kind of mediated that, right? Like she supported Benny and Nina and wanted to try and calm the dad down. So that storyline kind of got erased. And I thought, you know, it's not a major change. It's, I'm not like a fanboy who's like, oh, you can't make changes. But I thought the complexity, at least like, uh, racially about, that relationship would have been interesting to explore, but it might have just been too hot to handle. I'm wonder. I wonder what your thoughts are about that.
1: So, so you know, um, two things. And you made this point earlier. You know, before the movie had come out, you know, a couple of me, and my um, childhood friends uh, who are friends on social media, we go ahead and um, we're like, you know, are you excited? Or you know, and everybody's like, yeah, kind of. But you know, this is not going to be the Washington Heights we know, right? And then I remember, like, there was also a conversation like, yeah, but you know what, if you really remember the Broadway play, how does it really translate well for a major motion picture, right? So I, was, I thought that was really interesting, too, because as you're mentioning, um, if you look at the play and if you would have just done a direct to, like, the movie, I don't think it would have worked in a lot of areas. And I think the relationship between Nina and Benny... While it was, you know, again, to me, it, it, you know, those were really important elements that I was like, okay, you could have kept that in. But I think the tone of the movie what that we're going for wasn't going to be something that was going to dive too deep. Because I think the movie represented something a little bit more other than just, like, real social justice issues, right? Which is why I have a lot of beef with some of the comments that are coming out, but that's a whole nother story. But I think this is where it is. I think, like, um, the play and, you know, traditionally plays are meant to go ahead and really draw on these really hard issues. Right. But I think as a movie, I think like um, if it would have taken those tones, it wouldn't have been kind of like this, you know, really optimistic, positive, really pride and proudful focus, really type of movie. I think it would have changed it a bit. So I understood that. Right. And, and as you mentioned, you know, they changed up some of the lyrics. Right. Um, I think uh, in ninety six thousand, um, there was a reference made about like being a caddy, and I, I forgot which what it was exactly. But I think included Tiger Woods in there, and I was it like, was, "Oh shit, it that's was decision.
0: Trump." Yeah, right? it was. It was Trump. They changed it to Tiger Woods because it was Donald Trump. Yeah, oh, they were like, "I'm going to have it, so yeah. much money that you know Donald Donald Trump's going to be my caddy." And we're like, "No, nah, we can't <laughs> yeah, have okay. any Trump references." Yeah, Although that still would have worked, I thought as it a still line. It's yeah. work, well but, they changed think- they changed another line that was like uh, I mean I don't know pretty clearly like racist it was like a joke about um, uh, like Asian last names in the original show it said oh, something like right. you know, I've got that's more hoes. I that's got right. more hose than a Japanese phone book or something like that, which yeah, I think, right. yeah, that's I mean, that, yeah. obviously it was the right move to take that that's out, that, uh, right, but it's, it's right. also funny to, it's funny to think 10 years ago on Broadway, we were just like, oh yeah, that's a funny, you no, know, throwaway line or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's, that's exactly um, my point of
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think those were smart and the, the Trump thing, who cares, whatever. But it's obviously a smart and necessary change to pull to That's pull right. that out. But that was kind of a minor, That's a right. minor tweak. Right. Some of the other changes, there's one, this one is so minor, but you're, I think, one of the only people I can ask about this because I've asked a bunch of other people and nobody knows. So towards the end, you know, after the blackout... Um, you know, everybody's tired and laying around and beat down and sad. And they have that whole number to get everybody fired up again. Right. right? right. And I think it's like a, it's like a salsa number. And at one point they do this kind of like, um, roll call where it's like, Oh, where are you from? You know, and there's like a whole group of people with like Cuban flags and they're like, Oh, you know, Cubano, you know, and then there's there's like a Dominican contingency, and a Puerto Rican and Colombian. And I think this was the first, this is a new addition, but please tell me there was a Mexican contingency in that scene in the film, which I do not think was in the original. And that's because that's a, a change in New York City. It'll surprise people from California, but you know, when you look at, uh, you know, uh, uh groups of immigrants in New York City, um, Mexicans at, in in large numbers are relatively recent, particularly in Washington Heights. That's so right. please tell me, did you notice that, and do you think it was a recent addition to um, include uh, the Mexican group? So, so
1: from what I remember, right, uh, the Broadway play it wasn't there, but the flag was there, right? Lyrically, I don't remember it. Lyrically, I don't remember it because I think, like at the end of the day, you know, again, I think, like you know, it, it was something that I didn't pick um, on at the beginning when I saw in the heights in um, San Francisco. I did see a bigger flag, which was awesome, right? <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing: and I saw, and I was I was, I was with a couple of friends, and they said they said that they did include some lines in a song, but I'm not going to say it was going to be um, Carnaval del Barrio, but I was like, man, I didn't even pick that up. So here's the thing. So it seems like there was an evolution going forward as this thing got bigger. <laughs> right? So yeah, yeah. It, it made sense because yes. I mean, I, I,
0: I thought it was cool to see, I mean, I'm I, ever since, you know, I, m- I moved to New York many, many years ago, I was always on the lookout, you know, I'm Mexican. I'm from California. Where are the Mexican people in New York? Where, you know, where are my people? And it's very different, you know, because uh, in terms of like immigrant groups in California, it's very dominant. Culturally, it's very dominant. And here it's not the same. You know, most people who are Mexican immigrants are from Puebla, which is like a very specific region, mostly indigenous in Mexico. But when I was living in the Heights, I started to notice those numbers growing. There That's was right. a carnesaria All of a sudden, there were you know little little cultural elements where I could tell like oh you know we're here we're yeah, here. Okay. But it, it felt new, and I thought it was kind of a cool addition yeah. to include that that scene as kind of a demographic shift, you yeah. know, in that community.
1: I think I think so too. Mm. I think like you know um, I went, when I went back home and I lived back home for another five years. Um, uh, the Mexican community grew significantly. And in the Heights, you know, it was really cool to see kind of like, you know, we did have, you know, our but here's the thing, you have taquerias popping up here, there, here, there. And then I, so the last time, uh, about like three years ago, I lived on 183rd and um, St. Nicholas, which is like right uh, across the street from like uh, La Casa de Mofongo, which is a big restaurant over there. And here's the thing, across the street, was this Mexican Guy who had um, who who was making traditional like tacos al pastor with the pineapple, which so you know very specific to the region, and he had it on a spit, just like you know they had like a like like they do like Greek gyros, and I was like, I only seen this shit in in fucking California, Mm -hmm. and when I saw it in the Heights, I was just like, this is fucking awesome because now you know it just showed that you know mm-hmm. the diaspora was just a lot like a lot larger. You know, so I think like yeah, I, I would yeah, agree, like, yeah. you know, and it wasn't in the Washington Heights where I grew up. Most of the Mexicanos that I knew growing up were working with my dad in factories downtown. You know, but did they live in mm-hmm. Washington Heights? No. Did they have businesses in Washington Heights? No. But um definitely now there's just yeah. much more of a of, of you know, a blend of just like a lot, you know,
0: yeah. I uh, One of the other changes that was significant, it's not really divisive, but I do want to talk about it, um, is that, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot more um, social justice, like very, very clear and transparent references to immigration um, and like microaggressions, right? I remember in the original, you know, Nina is all stressed out because she's she thinks she's going to get kicked out of school because she wasn't doing well. Right. Like her, her grades were slipping or something in the, in the film version, she cites as her reason for wanting to leave a number of different microaggressions. Like her roommate accuses her of stealing something and she's at a dinner and somebody thinks that she's a server, you know? So that was a shift and that's kind of its own thing that, that we can talk about. Um, But the other one that I think is much more obvious and maybe warrants more discussion is uh, Usnavi's cousin, the, the young character, who I love that kid, by the way. Yes, that actor that was man. great. He yeah, To great. me, he kind of stole the show every every That's number right. he was in. That's right. um, but we learned late in the film that he's undocumented, right? Yep. And there's a rally and people are holding signs. And it looks very much like what we've seen over the last year, two, three, for activism uh, for dreamers. You know, he's like a like almost named as a dreamer in the show, um, which I think is good, right? Like, yep. you know, to, to talk about these themes, But I kind of felt like and maybe this is because I saw uh, the musical, I kind of felt like, is this just like tacked on in kind of a like social justice checklist kind of way? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we have to be we have to mention immigration, we have to mention microaggression, because, you know, the way that we talk about race has changed. In which case, like, was this really like taken on and dealt with or was it kind of just kind of tacked on? um, at the end and, and maybe not fully engaged with, I'm curious what you think. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I really think that that was just like addressing, you know, the time. It, I, I do feel it was tacked on. I do feel like, you know, if you're talking about Latinidad and you're talking about just like immigration and just immigrant population, I felt like, you know, you did have to tag that on. Now, mind you, um, I did work for a nonprofit organization just on that same street, right? Before I came back to the Bay where, you know what? We did have a really big pool of undocumented, okay? And and here's the thing, like, we were even being trained on if the feds come, what we should say, how we should lock the doors, how we should guide everybody to leave, you know? So to to be real with you, you know, um, as a community, I felt like this was the first time while I was working at an organization that I had seen that type of, you know, um, um, uh, real call to just really protect like undocumented people and dreamers. I think like, uh, again, I don't think that's the same experience that I grew up seeing. Right. It was only until I came out to California and working with a lot of young people that I really got to really understand how this was having an impact to everybody. um, I mean, not to say who had it worse, but you know, the, the undocumented people that I grew up with were deported because of drugs. You understand what I'm saying? So here's the thing: so it wasn't like you know, let's try to keep them. It was just like, no, they fucking got booted out, and they're not coming back. You understand what I'm saying? So it, it so yeah. there was a very big criminal element to deportation, and that's how we viewed it because you know, in the 80s and the 90s, deportation to us wasn't like ICE coming in and raiding. No, it was like NYPD and like, you know, drug task force locking people up yeah. and then putting them in, in a detention center and then we didn't see them until they gave us a call from Dominican Republic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And actually, just to give you a... Yeah. There's a cool movie called La Soga about that shit, which is ridiculous because <laughs> it, it was just... But anyway, but that... It really speaks on this yeah. whole population of dominicans that were deported because of that so yeah so yeah the, the, the issue of the dreamers i think is just like something that was tacked on just to go ahead and provide kind of like that that awareness right to show that we're, we're included like yeah. we're including I mean, everybody in the
0: yeah air. yeah U- ultimately i felt like yeah this is important this is a good addition um i just uh have noticed a lot just because they're you know now that we've uh, gone through the great awakening where everybody's kind of paying attention to these issues. Uh like sometimes they pop opening. up in a way where it just <laughs> I mean, it needed a name. So I'm just I'm I'm going to call it that. It did cuz you know what everybody says is like everybody says, "Oh, after this after this past year or ever since blank blank blank." You know, it's like we got to call it something. So yeah, and you I know, agree. it's the great awakening. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let me borrow it. Let me
0: borrow it. A lot of really good things have come out of it. Please do. Spread it. I want to be the person who originated that phrase. And and, uh, once the history books are written. (laughs) So now that we have the Great Awakening, which is wonderful because people are more clued into all of these issues about gender and about sexuality and about race and about criminal justice and police brutality and like everything, people are paying attention to this stuff in a way they never have before, which is wonderful. But also, very often in the culture, you'll see like a story where they like kind of tack something on a little bit without actually engaging with that material sometimes. And I got a little bit of that vibe here, but you know, I'm a little oversensitive. I'm always looking for stuff like that. Um. My, uh. my next question for you is just about the community itself, as these characters relate to it, because this is something that I noticed that stuck with me where most people's, um, Dreams. So much of this is about dreams, right? There's the the bars, and um, uh, it's very, very clear. Like, you know, Usnavi has a dream. Nina has a dream. Nina's dad has a dream. Um, And it seemed, and Vanessa, it seemed to me that all of their dreams were like, I got to get out of the Heights. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever I got to do, I got to get out of here. Usnavi wants to go back to Dominican Republic and open this cantina or reopen this cantina. Nina's dad is like you gotta, you know, get out of here, go to Stanford, you know. Um and Vanessa is her dream is literally to leave the she's trying to get an apartment downtown, you know. And I, all of that stuff is complicated, right? The neighbor, the places we come from, where we grow up, and sometimes we have to leave and there, you know, there are a lot of difficulties and I don't you know I'm not naive about you know what it's like to grow up in in a neighborhood where you're you know dealing with a lot of poverty it might even if it's a beautiful place, it might symbolically be a place you want to leave. But I was a little confused about every single character's desperation to get out of this place, which on screen seemed wonderful. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, there were, I, I understand that there are a lot of social issues, but it wasn't like, you know, poverty wasn't presented in a way where it was like, damn, I really got to get out of here. Or like, you know, police harassment wasn't presented in a way where it was like, I got to get out of this neighborhood or violence or crime or any of the, you know, the kind of social issues that motivate someone to get out of a place. So I wonder as someone who's from there, who loves it, all parts of it, the good and the bad and everything else, did you pick up on that? Did you think like, damn, this whole musical is about people trying to get out of this this place that I loved, You know what I mean? So, you know,
1: I think I didn't pick up on like people trying to get out. I just did pick up on that whole idea of just like moving on and trying to go to other stuff, right. Or do other things. Right. Um, I know that when I first, and again, I said that when I spoke to my friends about it, I was just like, you know what? This movie is not going to be about my generation. It's not going to be the story of the violence all the hardships that we went through, you know, through the crack epidemic, through just like, you know, mass incarceration, through all these really big issues that happened during the 80s and 90s that, you know what, had a really deep impact on us and our education, meaning, like, you know, I wasn't supposed to go ahead and, you know, be alive over 25, right? So that's one. Two, um, only about like 10% of Latinos growing up in Washington Heights went to college during that time. Um You know, all of these things that we know as a collective and as a nation and know the realities of it, that was the generation that I grew up in. And here's the thing. um, Yeah, there were a lot of people who said, I need to get out. Right? This one I felt like, yeah, I don't know what you guys you know, and I'm I'm sorry to say you guys, because I think like this is coming from a generation of, to be honest, like my kids, right? (laughs) Like, this is the generation of my children who are not growing up in a very kick-ass neighborhood. That's one. Two, um, all the things that were there before that were really kind of like showing the signs of poverty are not as bad as they used to be. Like, Highbridge was a pool that sometimes we avoided because, you know, yeah, you can look at news reports. There were dead bodies and floating in that shit. You know what I'm saying? You don't go behind Highbridge because that's where all, you know, all the dirt, all the drugs and all that thing. Like, these are the things and these are the story of my Washington Heights. And me and my friends knew, yeah, that's not the heights they're going to show. So this is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I think, like, you know, um, but there's this thing that is really interesting about growing up in neighborhoods. And, and, you know, since we work with youth and we work with young people, you know, young people, like, hardly leave 50 miles of where they're born and raised, right? So they don't get to see the world. And Washington Heights was a collective of young people who just never left outside of their five-block radius, right? So, you know, this identity and this bubble, of this mentality, of, you know, life is fucked up. I got to get out of the Heights. I got to get out. I got to get out. And you know what? Still, till this day, like, even my cousins, like, we, you know, a couple of months ago, my cousin was, we were on social media. He was like, yeah, we fucking grew up in the ghetto. This shit was fucked up. I'm so glad I moved out. And I'm like, dude, to be real, it wasn't really that, that bad. I understand. But come on, it really wasn't. You know what I'm saying? So... So I think, like, yeah, that still exists those elements of just, like, inner-city youth who grew up in, in their four walls of their community and not seeing the world, right? Um, to, to the point, though, about going back to DR, you know, remittances is, is a real thing, right? So, like, I believe, and, you know, you can actually see that, like, this is something that I knew growing up, right? When you go to Washington Heights and you come from a Dominican family, Dominican background, you still have either some sort of family in DR either you're sending money over there because guess what? Your plan is to go back. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, whether it's your aunt, your uncle, or somebody, somebody wants to go back. Somebody's going to go back. Like, here, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do what I got to do here. But eventually, I am going to go back. So I think, like, Usnavi's character had kind of, like, that element, right? And I actually kind of like it, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just cheesy like that. But then, you know, him finding himself not really having to leave to find that within him is just kind of like, what I thought was a real positive message of what is a solution to what gentrification is, right? Which is like, shit, if we can get ourselves to stay, imagine how much more powerful our neighborhood should be, you know? So that's, that's really where I pulled it out.
0: Yeah, and I I liked that resolution to the story. I guess yeah, you could say it's a quote unquote cheesy, but also part of the reason this movie succeeded is because it made no apologies about like this is a musical. It's going to have cheesy elements in the storytelling. That's part of the joy of this genre, basically. And I, I liked that. You know what I mean? Like it it, it, <laughs> like it had its own like an integrity because of that. You know what I mean? You know, and um, I, uh, I was speaking to
1: my friend this past weekend who was dying to talk to me about *In the Heinz, right? And um, she was just, like, really disappointed of all the comments that were coming on about, you know, um, Afro-Latino representation, Latinidad, and, you know, white passing, and, you know, all these elements that were just coming out of it. And I told her, you know what, man? To be honest, it, it felt like this was a Latino relationship. Like, growing up as a Dominican, you know, you don't hear compliments at first. What you do hear is like, oh, my God, you're just too fat. Or, oh, my God, you know, what, what have you been doing with yourself? Why are you letting yourself go? So I was like, yeah, this is the ultimate like Latino way of just dealing with this movie. Like it's so uplifting, so positive that just like everybody just came and said like this, yeah, it ain't really like that, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, Oh shit. But I was like, Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. I, I do expect that, right? I do expect that. So I think like with with the critique, I think you do find a lot of just that real beautiful, kinda like, yeah, the cheesiness is okay once in a while, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about that because that, you know, the idea of colorism and representation in this film and casting has been a story since its release. And I think it, it warrants, um, a conversation. Um, but first I, I want to plug your piece, which is uh, going to be on the quest on media site, uh, very soon. Uh, it's excellent with this and, podcast. Uh, yes, it'll, it will appear right alongside this podcast. Um, uh, but I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a layup. You talk about this in the piece, but there is a line um, that starts the second paragraph um, uh, that reads, What I felt during the opening scene and musical number at the beginning of In the Heights summarized my review. Extreme joy with splashes of sadness. Uh, I think that's a, a beautiful, first of all, beautiful language. Also a wonderful summary of that experience. Um, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. The story touches on gentrification and changes and some of the things that we've talked about a little bit, but what is the source of that, you know, extreme joy with, with uh, splashes of sadness for you as you're watching this film?
1: Yeah, I think, um, um, you, you know, the, the reason why I felt those extremes was because, you know, again, there's something to be said about seeing your neighborhood on a screen, you know, growing up in our neighborhoods, you know that's the thing that we look for, and then here's the thing. Like, um, even my wife said this. You know, and you mentioned to this at the beginning, right? When, you, when you're looking for movies about your neighborhood, you want some elements of you in it, right? Um, she said when she when we she finished when we finished watching In the Heights, she remembered. She was like, "Man, I remember. I w- I wanted to see La Mision, and I was so hyped because I wanted to see La Mision, and you know." And it was gonna represent where I grew up and everything. And when she saw it, she was just like so disappointed. And she was like, Man, at least you have something that you can feel good about, right? But then I told her, I was like, Yes, it does. But there are certain elements of who I am, right? As a Dominican that are not there, right? That make me who I am, right? And that's all the, those cultural elements. Being Afro Caribbean, being Dominican, you know, I did see my flag, beautiful. I did see my neighborhood, but you know, who, where was I? Where was the bachata? Where was the merengue? Where was just like you know, there were small elements of it in it, right? But then also, um, you know, people who looked like me were there. They were in the background, but you know, my first forethought wasn't like, oh, you know, they you know, they should have crashed them there because in some given way, I felt represented, but. It's almost like that's that's the thing with my generation, right? It was just like, Well, at least we have that. You understand what I'm saying? And and that was it. But I think like that's where the sadness comes in because it's like, well then my story is never gonna be told or or seen in given ways, right? Um and that's where, you know, the the extreme joy with the, the splashes of sadness because I knew there was gonna be an element missing to, to who I felt I needed in that movie. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, that. L- let's just unpack it as best we can and talk specifically about these lead characters and how they were cast and how they look and what that may or may not mean. Um, the main character who plays Usnavi, we all know him from Hamilton. He's uh, Dominican. And, you know, again, we're like talking ingredients and race in Latin America is such a complicated issue. It's like almost impossible to untangle. Um, but, you know, uh, Usnavi looks like he has freckles. He's relatively fair skinned. You know, he has, like, straight hair, whatever. That's kind of what he looks like. Not that he doesn't look like a Dominican, but there's lots of different ways to look Dominican, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nina uh, is Puerto Rican, and, you know, she has elements of what you would call, like, an Afro-Latina appearance, you know, but is also very fair skin, right? Um, and then uh, Nina's dad, uh, Jimmy Smits, <laughs> who's been around forever, yeah. um, you know, also has that kind of like wonderful, uh, ethnic ambiguity that, you know, I've been relying on my whole life, you know, with the, like what you are talking about the like white passing and stuff, you know, yeah. um, uh, and I think the, the most, uh, obvious character, I guess the person that I kept thinking about is Vanessa, the, the romantic interest for Usnavi, um. A very talented actor. She's actually Mexican. But she's very, very fair skinned. Right? And, if,
1: and if I'm not mistaken, um, and
0: right, then the character um, who is like,
1: if I'm not mistaken, Usnavi, um, I, I think his name is Edwin. Edwin Torres. I, I'm not sure. If I forget. But he uh, is Puerto Rican, right? And in in real life, and I think Nina is Dominican in real life. That was interesting too. So it's just like funny oh, okay. you know, when you when you're switched. Really- nice. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's really, that's really interesting too. But here's, <laughs> here's to your point. I think like, um, if you've ever been to the Dominican Republic, which is very interesting, right? I think you do see that diaspora in such a wide range. Now, um, I have a first cousin who is white complexion, green eyes, blonde hair. Okay. And she is Dominican. She her mother and father are Dominican, right? You you know, you look at pictures of my mom and dad. My mom looks like she's from Spain. My dad looks like he's from Haiti. And here's the thing, when you're really looking at it, we're talking about complexion here. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about that, right? So what's really interesting to me, right? What's really interesting to me is just like, um, to me, growing up Dominican, I already see that, right? And I already understand that we have this whole spectrum of things, right? But I think like to somebody who doesn't know the culture, right? It's like you're looking for those identifiers. You're constantly looking for those identifiers. And honestly, you know, <laughs> I hate to say this, but, you know, I, I, I love, you know, I I, I love the Dominican community community and everything, but I think like at the end of the day, colorism has always been something that, you know, is kind of like that white passing, that whole thing that is still embedded in the island as as to this day. So the thing is, it's just like, What I'm grateful for this generation is that they bring awareness to that. I will say that like, you know what? This is a conversation that just needs to be had, right? Is it the right room to have the conversation? Come on. It's a movie. Let's not really take it there because I don't want to politicize and racialize everything. I don't, I really don't like Sometimes I just want to sit down and watch a fucking movie and just say, Hey, let's not politicize this thing. Let's not make it racial. Right. But to your point, I think those are the the things, those splashes of sadness where sometimes I think like, yeah, do I expect people to know better? Yes, I do. (laughs) You know, like research it, look at it, you know, try to look at, you know, what this really means as far as like, yes, you know, there is a big like range of of, 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 of facial features and color and, and everything when it comes down to like identity of what a Dominican culture or Latino culture is in general, you know what I'm saying? But I think, like, again, like, you know, um, it's like weaponizing something that shouldn't be weaponized at this given point. Like, this is just a movie for us to watch. Right. But I think, you know, yeah, it's it's it's, I I don't blame some of them. But, man, when you went after Rita Moreno, I was like this. I was like, come on, Rita, you're going to really go ahead and go after Rita? Like. Yeah, like you you know, now you're gonna go ahead and say that she, you know, she's doing the whole white passing thing, and I'm like, come on, man! You gotta give homage. You gotta give. You gotta give the OGs credit. You gotta give Lin Manuel Miranda credit. He opened up the door for Latinos and people of color in a in a realm that kind of like what Tyler Perry, right? Tyler, like when they told Tyler Perry, like you know, black people don't go to theaters. Tyler Perry said, boom. right? (laughs) Rimanual Miranda was the same thing. It was like, yo, Latinos don't go to Broadway. Boom. And here we go. (laughs) Like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. Right. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think like, you know, it is, it is, it is an easy pick at that. You know what I'm saying? But I think like, that's really where I feel like, you know, we need to just really kind of like understand that that happens.
0: Yeah. Well said. Eming, Eming, were you coming to chime in? yeah, Geek Force would disagree about the Tyler the, How about the one? They disagree about just, Tyler Perry? I was yeah, thinking. they're not fans. Yeah, not, Geek Force just, is not fans of Tyler Perry? Great. Well, maybe that's the conversation I'll join. I'll come on to talk about uh, you know, <laughs> Ma- Madea's, Chris- Madea's well, that they, 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 <laughs> don't, they don't agree that, um, no. that, that Tyler Perry brought
1: people to the to place.
0: I don't know. They're just not a fan of him. Uh-oh. In general, well,
1: he's bringing Medea back.
0: so noted yeah, <laughs> finally <laughs> uh, I uh no I, I think that's I think that's really well said, Albert. I think there's a way to have this necessary conversation about race and about identity and about color um and maybe it's good that it's prompted by this film, but I'm you know it's a little difficult when it kind of eclipses the film you know what i mean like it it prevents us from maybe getting the good parts of it or you know but it is obviously a very necessary conversation yeah absolutely i think that's
1: where it really becomes kind um, of like when, when you really look at it it you know um again i'm so involved in just like this this conversation and i'm really happy that you guys kind of like brought me on because it really did bother me to really see all these things you know uh, my friends have been forwarding me over articles from the USA Today, from New York Times um, this, you know Columbia Press from the New Yorker you know, went this whole social justice route, it really kind of like, was going up to bat for it. like, I get it like, I get it, but now when you have all the social like, all the media outlets really kind of like putting this out there, now it becomes a different monster, right, now it's just like oh man, you know what, like we couldn't even have a week with the movie and now here we go, you know it's like, can I at least just get a week? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Seven days. That's all That's I ask. Seven, seven days. days. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I thank you for coming on to have this conversation. I loved this film, but also you can tell when it's a good movie a few days later, you're thinking like, mm, what was that about? Or I would to changed this, you know? I didn't get into the more like in the weeds kind of musical specific information, but I will say I watched uh the film with my wife who is a a, like seriously obsessive hamilton fan and she her background is in musical theater and dance right and she's been watching hamilton and listening to the soundtrack for years and years since it came out um and some of the numbers she was like oh my god this is exactly the same cadence and and rhyme scheme um as this song you know she's like and she can name the song as we're watching them and i actually kind of noticed it too i i experienced those uh those films and those shows independently. You know, yeah, I watched in the heights, I was like, okay, cool. And then many, 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 many years later I saw Hamilton and I was like, oh yeah, it's similar, but he took it to the next level. But when she started to break it down, I was like, wow, it is really true. And I don't know, is that just because lin Manuel has a style? Or is it, you know, almost almost to the point of distraction, especially well, in the cadence with the yeah. with the lyrics, with the rap lyrics. Not necessarily musically, but with the with the lyrics.
1: Yeah. But well, well, you know, and and here's where I would say, like, you know, um, I think I got to give kudos to Lin-Manuel because first of all, even in my generation, that's the one thing that I found very much in common. Um, He wrote a musical, but he included us in the music. And what do I mean by that? When you really look at the elements of hip hop and you look at the history of hip hop, Washington Heights has a significance to hip hop. You know, we are right across the street from 1592 Sedgwick where hip hop was born. Right. And here's the thing. When we look about the era Listen, it, that story of hip-hop really flooded into Washington Heights, and lin Miranda was part of that. You know, he he understood. I mean, all he had to do was cross the street down into, like, St. Nicholas, and, and he would hear Slick Rick, KRS-One. You know, he would hear all those. So here's the thing. When you heard those elements in those songs, that's what was so special about it because I was just like, damn, man, you know what? He He's probably not gonna go ahead and write about the dr- the singing drug dealer, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> he'll definitely include some, you know, some Bismarcky, he'll include some, you know, some Pac and some Biggie and some and some of his musicals. And, you know, that I fell in love with in the heights because of that, right? Um and, and, and you yeah. hear all those elements. You hear kinda like those things that really kinda like connect and that's what I love. And yes, um my daughter is going around singing um you know, Carnaval del Barrio, she knows some of the lyrics, she knows some of the verses. And here's the thing. That's what makes me happy that, you know what? All right, cool. You didn't include me, but man, you got her for life now. You got my daughter for life. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. I, you know, I appreciate all those references. I appreciated them in, in Hamilton. It's one of the thing I, things I liked about the music in Hamilton when I would recognize Mob Deep or, you know, yeah. some kind of clever right. reference like that. The one yeah. that completely blew me away was the debate, uh, which is basically the, it's the Ten Crack Commandments. It's like a remix right. of Ten of Biggie's song, The that's Ten right. Crack Commandments. So as yeah. I started watching it, I yelled out, "This is the Ten Crack Commandments!" Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and you, <laughs> you know, know what? But instead, it's Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton debating, you know, <laughs> that's, right. that's uh, right, structure of government, it which it's brilliant. Yeah,
1: and, and you know, in ninety six thousand, that's where you really saw all the elements of the other hip hop artists. So like Sunny. Reminded me of Eminem straight up, you know what I'm saying? With the wordplay and everything and just the aggressiveness. And I was like, man, you know, you know, again, you really did see like those elements in all those songs, you know what I'm saying? And also, you know what I what I really did enjoy is that each character had their own like foundation of music. Right. So like when when Abuelita, right, like when you heard that real soft Cuban mambo, I was just like, oh, man, this dude, he, he he. he not only knows hip hop, but he knows music. And I got—I had to give yeah. it to him. I was like, yeah, "I agree. you know what you're doing."
0: That that number, her last number, you know, um, patience and faith was like uh, very, very moving in a Amazing. way that I was surprised at my kind of emotional response. Yeah. And it was in the tunnel, right? Filmed That's in the right. tunnel, coming out of the one <laughs> tunnel <laughs> on one train.
1: And and I'm I'm glad they kept the graffiti on there, you know, they they had to like repaint that shit. And then all the graffiti artists went back in the tunnel and did their pieces. So I'm glad they (laughs) didn't have to paint over that shit again.
0: Nice that they made it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, All right. I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, I can uh, too. But. I appreciate you coming (laughs) here. We'll have, we'll have a part two on the phone uh, or whatever, just because there's so much more to discuss, but thank you so much for coming to have this conversation with us. I love the film. It was very uh, enlightening for me just to hear from your perspective as a person who's from that neighborhood and from that community. Love it. Like I said, we'll continue this conversation, uh, you know, offline. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And thank you as always to, uh, our producer, Eming it's good to be back, reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, thanks, of course, to uh, our <laughs> listeners. And until next time, Quest On, everybody.
1: This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.